Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. Our society and our culture is a little bit sick 
and disturbed when it comes to how women's bodies are supposed to look and that the ideal of the emaciated model is not healthy, that those girls are mostly suffering from eating disorders, many dancers are suffering, and you want her to be healthy, and that there are healthy dancers of every weight, and I suggest you go online and look at all the dance companies now who are saying no more, no more of the starved dancer look on our stages, because that's a fact. I also have a daughter who is a dancer, and I can tell you that this is something that all dancers have to think about. All right, now let me tell you more about Dr. Susan Chemsky. She's an award-winning, best-selling author of 14 books, a pioneer in the human potential field. She's taught meditation, affirmation, and intuition to thousands worldwide for 50 years And she's been featured in the L.A. Times, Washington Post, New York Daily News, GQ, for those who don't know, Gentleman's Quarterly, Woman's World, Cosmopolitan, over 900 media outlets in all. And for 22 years, she lived in ashrams with a famous yogi from India, Maharishi, I'm going to say it wrong, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, who is a guru to superstars, including the Beatles, Deepak Chopra, and surprisingly... Meghan Markle. So we'll hear more about that. So Susan, please welcome to the show. I'm really excited to be here with you again at this time, Brenda. Yeah, this is a very, very important time because at the beginning of the year, as you know, we all want to make a fresh start. We all want to say, this is the year. I turn around my health, my love life, my business, my money, my family patterns, whatever it is we're working with and that we want to see improve. At the beginning of the year, we turn that new leaf and we go, okay, 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 I'm going to write something new. So what would you say you learned in those years when you were with Maharishi Yogi? that would be most helpful to all of us at this time of the year? Well, I think the main thing that I learned was how to meditate. And meditation it has really saved my life, and I think it has saved the lives of millions of other people. It's an amazing practice. Now, what I do you really... mean when you say it saved your life? I tell you, I was going down a very bad path at that time. It was the 60s. I was a hippie. I was into LSD and all these drugs. And it was not good. I mean, I actually had a mental breakdown because of the LSD. In fact, after I took the drug, I I didn't come down from the drug for months. I was having continual LSD flashbacks. I ha- it was horrible. So, yes, meditation completely cured me. It saved my life. And it made me so healthy and happy. I mean... Meditation is just an amazing, amazing thing so you, for you people went to practice. Being a drugged out hippie to meditation. Now, how did you just tell us a little bit of that story? How did you end up being a hippie in the first place and taking all these drugs? <laughs> well, you know, it was the '60s, and so I joined this counterculture, which we were really at that time. So many of us were protesting the war. And we were rebelling, and we wanted to experience higher consciousness also. Those of us who were flower children, which I was one of those, 
mm-hmm. we wanted to experience these altered states of consciousness. And people like Timothy Leary and Richard Alpert, who wrote the psychedelic experience, they were telling us that we could attain these high, these higher states now, of consciousness. Now, can I ask you something, Susan? You're saying you were rebelling. What were you rebelling against? Because so many people start on their journey because there's something that they don't want to live with, something that isn't working for them. They want to rebel against it. What were you rebelling against? Well, I was really part of that counterculture, and we were rebelling against the society. The establishment is what we called it. Mm -hmm. And we thought that they were uh, living these plastic, plasticine kind of lives that they were not authentic, that they weren't really expressing their emotions, that they were very uptight. And that's really what we were rebelling against was the whole society and, of course, the war, which was, which was very much part of what was going on at that time, the Vietnam War, which we watch on television every night. So we thought that the war was senseless, and so we rebelled against what we call the establishment or the government or, you know, any authority kind of figures. Yeah, so it sounds as if part of what was going on is that these authority figures represented a kind of repressive, violent, very um, turned, what's the word I'm looking for, Uh, you know, just repressing natural feelings, natural urges, but above all, you said something very interesting. You said, we wanted to experience higher consciousness, so maybe this authoritarian kind of society was suppressing higher consciousness. Because I was alive at that time. I wasn't old enough to be out on the streets doing anything, but I can remember growing up in the Haight-Ashbury. And when hippies came around, I remember my dad going outside and going, you dirty hippies, get off our stairs, because we lived, we had a home right in. Wow. Paid Ashbury, and my dad would threaten to get the water hose yeah. out and hose down the hippies. He said, you need a bath, I'm going to hose you down with the water hose. <laughs> and we kids would peer out of the window, looking on with angst and fear at these, quote, dirty hippies. <laughs> right, exactly. So I was one of them. And um, I was going to art school, and I was living in Berkeley. But I was very much a whole part of that scene, going to the Fillmore Auditorium, the Avalon Ballroom, you know, going to see all the rock stars and all of that. And, you know, really, Bob Dylan is the one that got us into the whole counterculture in the first place. He was the one that was like the, you know, he was like number one on the scale of protesters at that time. Huh. So we were very influenced by him. Now, were your parents very, very strict and repressive? I mean, what kind of family did you come from? Yes, my my parents were, yeah, they were strict, yes. I came from a Jewish family, and they were very, very strict, and I had to toe the line, of course. Um, and I did toe the line for a long time. And then you then burst point, out magnificently. Yeah. Now, what <laughs> propelled you to from this? LSD nightmare that you described, how did you get to, I'm, say his name for me, Maharishi's whole name? Yeah, you said the name perfectly, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. So, yes, um, okay, we were, as I had said, we were looking for higher states of consciousness and listening to people who were telling us, turn on, tune in, drop out. That was Timothy Leary. 
and Richard Alpert, and and they were telling us that we could experience these higher states of consciousness. And so I thought, well, okay, well, why don't why don't I try and find how to meditate? Well, in 1966 in Berkeley, California, you didn't exactly go to the yellow pages and find meditation, you know, in the yellow pages of the phone directory. But a friend of mine, I asked him, well, how do I how do I find a meditation guide? Because I'd heard that there was such a thing when I was reading Alan Watts' books. And he said, well, have you ever tried to meditate on your own? I said, well, okay, I'll give it a shot. So I lay down on my bed, and I sort of prayed for or asked for a meditation. And clearly I was clueless because I was lying on my bed. I didn't even know you're supposed to sit up when you meditate. But I asked for a, medita- I asked for a meditation, and immediately I was propelled into this ecstatic state. I could feel this rush or cord of energy rushing from the tips of my toes all the way to the top of my head. Oh, and I amazing. felt like I was, I felt like I was plugged into this electric socket, but in a uh-huh. most ecstatic way. And I figured, well, I guess this is meditation. Little did I know that not only had I had my first meditation experience, but also Kundalini awakening all at the same time. Now, what is Kundalini and, awakening for those who don't know? Right. So Kundalini is a spiritual energy that flows up through the body and it's supposed to be very difficult to attain but there it was right there and I had it immediately as soon as I just asked for meditation so and this is a remarkable to... thing that you could tap into it that fast and if you don't mind I'm going to add for those who are going kundalini spiritual energy what a lot of what Susan is talking about with the changes in the brain and in the body with meditation, all of this, as you know, Susan, has been deeply, deeply studied now. And we do know that every strand of DNA, every cell in the body, emits energy at a particular frequency, and that we can, in fact, change the frequency to a higher frequency or lower depending on our mental state, the mental state can, in fact, control what's going on in the body. There's so much research on this, the field of epigenetics, and looking at how telomeres respond to our thoughts. Telomeres are part of the DNA strand, the very end of the strand. So there's a lot of research. And Elizabeth Blackburn uh, won the Nobel Prize in Medicine because of her discoveries around the telomeres. So uh, what Susan is talking about, if you think this is uh, airy-fairy, I invite you to investigate modern science, and I am very happy to translate that science for you. So, Susan, you get to India, and you've already had the first extraordinary breakthrough experiencing this shift in consciousness. And what happened after that? Tell us a little bit about what it was like to study with Maharishi Maharishi Yogi and what he teaches. And then everybody sit tight because after Susan gives you a sense of how she learned all of this, I'm going to ask her to bring it home to us. How can we use it to manifest those intentions that we have set for 2019? Because it's not too late to manifest what you want in 2019, even though we're coming to the end of January. You know, we have plenty of time left in 2019 to change our lives, for sure. Yes. So there I was in India at age 20, 
one into 22 while I was in India. And Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, you know, he was, as you said, the guru of the Beatles, very famous. He was the most famous guru of the 20th century at that time. is extremely famous. And there I am with him, and I am in bliss. I'm just ashram in India. I'm meditating many hours every day. And I'm no drugs are involved in, in this experience, right? Absolutely not. In fact, in order to learn the form of meditation that Maharishi taught, you had to stop taking drugs. It was a requirement. And he was the founder of transcendental meditation, which many people have heard of. They may not hear his, know his so name, but they may have heard. Say transcendental meditation. What does it mean? So transcendental meditation is a form of meditation that uses a mantra, and it's a very simple practice, and it's done very quietly with eyes closed. And you simply use the mantra, you repeat the mantra, and then just allow it to kind of, kind of drift, and then you, that takes you into a very deep state of awareness. Uh, it turns your awareness away from the outer world into the inner world, it allows your mind to go from the surface level through subtler and subtler levels of thought until you experience something called transcendental consciousness. Now, why is that so important? Because we now know modern science is saying everyone needs some sort of meditation practice. Everyone needs the opportunity. We're actually now calling this brain rest. It's brain rest and brain restoration as well as higher consciousness. So why is that important for all of us from your perspective? Yes, from uh, it, it's been proven many, many times, time and time again, that going into this deep state of meditation takes you into a very quiet state of body and mind, both. And the uh, the breath rate becomes very quiet. The heart rate becomes quiet. Uh, the uh, uh, the stress disappears. Hypertension disappears. You just become very very quiet. And skin resistance uh, that goes up. In other words, you're not sweating, and you become very very silent, very peaceful. And this is fantastic for health, it's fantastic for your mind, for your brain, for your memory, for academic performance, and also you're radiating waves of peace into the atmosphere. So Maharishi was very keen on the idea of world peace. Yeah, that's and a good idea. I think we can all sign on to that. Uh, so let's I talk about so. now uh, what it is people can do to bring this meditative practice into also manifesting intentions for this year. And I also want to just back up really quickly what Susan just said. Meditation actually does heal the brain and the body. Once we lower those levels of stress hormones in the body, the body starts to heal itself. Stress hormones we all know are good in times of crisis. They can actually strengthen our body and organ systems, but chronic stress is our enemy, and meditation actually fights that. So, Susan, how Absolutely. do we apply meditation to manifesting intention in 2019? Yes. 
So meditation has so many benefits, including developing your intuition, which is very, very important, and being able to manifest your desires and those and getting in touch, first of all, with the desires that you want to manifest, meaning what is highest wisdom for me? What is best for me to even manifest in the first place? What is my true so instead heart instead of just desire? saying, hey, uh, this year I'm going to make more money or something like that, we want to tune right. in and say, what is the best thing? I love that. That's really good. What Absolutely. Is yeah, before you make your laundry list of things you want to manifest, the most important thing is to get in touch with your higher self and find out what is wise for me to do in the first place. You know, what is my mission? Why am I here on earth? And how can I best go in that direction this year? So these kinds of questions to ask yourself or to, to meditate on, and then once you have that, once you know what it is is best for you to do, then put your intention on it, put your mind on it, and also take steps to manifest it. It isn't enough to just sit around with your eyes closed and meditate and pray. You have to actually move your feet. You have to get out there and create these things that you want to manifest. So equally important uh, is meditation, but also equally important is action. And again, dynamic action, action could come from the meditative state of what action is best to take. And I will say right. right now with our mastermind community, we are doing a 30-day miracle manifestation challenge, and we are beginning Ooh. our practices each week with these 30-day challenge groups with a very brief meditation, bringing in light and energy. And if I told you, Susan, the miracles people are experiencing, some of them even before they have taken any action. The things they need just show up. The phone rings. Uh, somebody is already <laughs> there to buy the property. One person decided. Right. Another person wanted to heal the marriage and put the intention out there in meditation, and boom, just like that. There was a big Absolutely. turnaround and an agreement yes. to, to do couples counseling when the partner had refused it before. So just miracle after miracle because that higher state that you're talking about heals us physically, which, of course, leads to better emotional health and mental health, but also it taps into something else, and you're saying intuition, where we can get higher guidance. That is so important. So if you had, Susan, I'm going to put you on the spot, if you <laughs> had an intention for this year and you really wanted to bring that into manifestation, Using meditation, how would you go about it? Well, there's uh, several things you can do. One of those things is to visualize, and that you can use that as a kind of a meditation, where you visualize the outcome that you want to take place. But before you even do that, the most important thing for manifestation, in my opinion, is to make a decision, is to be completely invested in what it is you want to manifest. In other words, to make a firm and final decision. For example, this year, I, my final and firm decision is to get this 
particular job that I, that I have in my mind. And this and is after you make, you've meditated on this is for my highest good. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's number one before you do yeah, anything else. Yeah, because a lot is, of times I know you've seen out. this, I've seen this, people go after yeah. things because they think they should want it or right. should have it as opposed to it's really the best for them. So we want to right. get really clear, and meditation is a great tool, as you've said, for getting clear, Susan. So now right. we're clear. Then we meditate right. we, it on the job that we're clear we should have. Mm-hmm. So make that final and firm decision as to what it is you want to manifest. And then you can take, if you wish, this can be helpful, is to visualize yourself in that position. In other words, just spend some time maybe twice a day when you first get up in the morning and then just before you're going to sleep. And just visualize yourself in that position. Just see what, how does it feel, what does it smell like, what does it look like. Just as many senses as you can to get into that visualization, that does help you to uh, move in the direction of creating it in your life. And also just spending some time in meditation where really you're doing nothing. You're just going into a very deep state of silence and peace. And that will propel you into dynamic action later on if you the more you can rest and go into that state of what you call brain rest yeah the more you can get into that complete state of relaxation and wholeness and perfection and yeah the other thing in that that deep state i have to tell you personally there are times when i've gone into deep meditation and gotten for example the title for one of my books or gotten right. um, the answer to something I wasn't even asking about, and all of a sudden it would flash into my mind. Because yes. when our mind is quiet, which for most of us is rare, then that deeper part of us that knows what we need to know can come forward. So, Susan, now yes. let's, because we're Modern Love Training and Modern Love Radio, how can a meditation practice, from your perspective, benefit our love lives? Well, the most amazing thing about meditation is it increases what we call chi or prana throughout the body. Uh, that is the life force energy that's flowing through your subtle body. And the more of that chi or that life force energy, the more you increase it, the more charismatic, magnetic, and sexy you become. And that is a fact. I never thought of meditation making you sexy, but that sounds good. That is a fact. Wow. uh, If you're around a very charismatic person, maybe a celebrity or somebody, a politician, or someone who is really magnetic, who you like to, you know, hang out with, you'll find that they have more of this chi, more of this pranic energy flowing through them. And that is the reason why they are magnetic. So the more that you can develop that in your energy field, the more people will be attracted to you. And the more sexy you'll be, it's just a fact. And probably more of the right kind of person. Yes, that's right. If you meditate, you're going to be more in touch with the laws of nature, more in touch with your true nature, and develop your true self. In other words, really realize your true self. 
And once you do that, you're going to attract good in your life. You're going to attract the right people, attract the right job, attract money, attract happiness. It's just your your relationships will be much better with your family, with your friends, and with everyone. That's what meditation does. It's an amazing wow. practice. So there are there's no downside. It's all upside. Better relationships, better health, wealth, and happiness, and that vibration of peace that Maharishi and all the spiritual teachers I have studied from whatever path, because I've studied every path, they all say the same thing, that peace exactly. from within, and the more each human being has peace, peace within themselves, we have peace in the world. So That's there's right. an old uh, saying, when there's peace in every heart, there's peace in the home. If there's peace in the home, then peace in the family. Peace in the family means peace in the community, which mean, means peace in the nation and peace in the world. So, Dr. Susan Chomsky, I want to give everybody your email address so they can get in touch with you. Your website is, if you'll give that to us, please. Right. It's drsusan.org. That's drsusan.org. DrSusan.org, and Dr. Susan has some excellent books out there. Her latest book is Maharishi and Me, and, you know, we love books in this community. Go and grab the book and get inspired because when you read a story of someone who's been on this path, there are always clues on how we can deepen our own practice and lead lives that are more authentic, more real, and more filled with love. Thank you so much, Dr. Susan, for being our guest today. We appreciate you. Well, thanks for inviting me. I My really pleasure. had a great time. Thank you. And a big thank you to LeGrand Green, our executive producer, to Mr. Cliff Dunning, our associate producer, and to all of you modern lovers. I will see you here in the Modern Love Training Center, February 9th for Quantum Love, Seven Truths to Transform Your Love Patterns from Toxic to Transcendent. All right. Blessings, everyone. 